Hey everyone, and welcome to Theana Money, where we seek to help the good man leave an inheritance to his children's children. This is Jeremy, the host of Theana Money. One thing I want to say before I get started, when I dropped the last episode, it was on uh, St. Patrick's Day, and I did not even make a comment about going and watching Hans Feeney's YouTube channel, Lutheran Satire. So, if you didn't watch uh, St. Patrick's Bad Analogies on St. Patrick's Day, late is better than never, and you can go learn about how Voltron is a heretic. That aside, you might be thinking that the title of this episode sounds weird. What can we learn about economics from Genesis 1-1? All it says is, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Where in there is money or selling stuff or anything like that mentioned at all? The answer is that this stuff is not mentioned explicitly in that verse. But do not turn off this episode yet and uh, think it's some kind of waste of time. While money or the market or other things related to economics are not specifically mentioned in Genesis 1-1, The free market as it exists in this world would not and could not be possible had it not been for the truthfulness of this verse. By the end of this episode, I hope you will all see just how important Genesis 1-1 is to economics. We can find a lot of answers in Genesis. But before we get started on that, I just want to ask you all to... Uh, subscribe to Theana Money, give it a rating and review, a five-star rating if you think it deserves it. If you think it deserves a one-star rating, then uh, you don't need to give it a rating, just if you think it deserves a five-star one. Um, tell your friends about it and follow Theana Money on social media. And also, if you would like, check out the bonfire link in the description where you can see some cool Theana Money t-shirts. I released one recently that says, Marxism is no mosaic. It's kind of a double joke there. You know, mosaics are these beautiful things. They're supposed to be beautiful and look nice. And a Marxism is not beautiful. It is neither good nor beautiful nor true. And uh, it's also, you know, mosaic refers to the Mosaic Law as well. And uh, the Mosaic Law, the biblical law, is much better than Marxism. So it's kind of a play on words there. Marxism is ugly, and also Marxism is no comparison to biblical law. So Marxism is no mosaic, if you want to get that t-shirt on Bonfire. First, there is the most basic reason why economics and the free market, as we know it, would not be possible if it were not for Genesis 1-1. That is because without Genesis 1, there would be no creation. There would only be Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Without creation, without humans to make things, sell things, and otherwise exchange goods and services with one another, there would be no economics. 
And without Genesis 1-1 and the rest of that chapter, there would be no humans, nor the rest of creation. But that is a pretty basic reason there. If God had never created everything, then everything would not exist. But I have more planned for this episode than just that few minutes to say a one-sentence statement that every Christian who has passed kindergarten already knows. There are more foundational truths to Genesis 1-1 than merely creation as made by God. And in more foundational there, I mean that numerically, as in more than just one, more than just one foundation for economics in Genesis 1-1, not a deeper foundational truth. Although when we talk about foundational truths related to God as creator and everything else is creation, it really is hard to rank them in terms of which is more foundational than another. So I'm just meaning numerically there. I'm going to be explaining some stuff in this episode that comes from Gary North's economic commentaries. When he addresses Genesis 1-1, I highly recommend North's work on the economics of scripture and you're able to get his entire work of economic commentaries spanning decades of his life for free on North's website, which I'm dropping the URL for in the description of this episode. Before we dive into the meat of this episode, I want to read this quote from Gary North's book, The Dominion Covenant. The justification for an economic commentary on the Bible is based on the opening lines of Genesis. God created the world. It is now governed and has always been governed by his personal power and purpose. The world is sustained by God. Our world is providential. It reflects his orderly being. Our world is therefore coherent and it is man's responsibility as a species to discover the providential regularities of the universe including man's own being, and then use this knowledge in the tasks of subduing the earth to the glory of God. A lot of economic study and writing that overall is pretty good, books and articles and such where I would agree with a great many of their conclusions, they'll talk about economics and the market as impersonal. Let me explain what that means. One aspect of it is, more or less, that the market, where goods, services, and money are exchanged, is not sentient. It is not a living thing. It does not communicate directly with those who interact with it. Another aspect, which is also a quote from North's book, The Dominion Covenant, is that by the impersonalism of the market process, The academic economist means that the free market's processes are virtually independent of the will or plans of any single market participant. One man's influence is normally infinitesimal from the point of view of the overall market system. What that means is that there are so many players in the free market. Typically, no single person should have enough influence to seriously impact it by himself alone. My choice to buy one good over a similar, comparable one from a different brand at the grocery store makes, for all intents and purposes, virtually zero difference in the market as a whole. But my choice in addition to that of others, 
who for one reason or another choose one comparable product over the others, all together impact the market. Some have brand loyalty to one brand, some to another. Some don't care and grab whichever one is cheaper or whichever one they see first. Each customer's single choice is minute in regards to the market as a whole, but all of the choices together, though nearly irrelevant on their own, make up the market. If all of the customers at a grocery store decided they no longer like a certain brand, the store will soon discontinue that brand in order to maximize their profit and not buy goods they will never sell. If that happens at only a single store in a whole chain of grocery stores, then perhaps the other locations will still carry that brand. If it happens across many locations in that chain, and among other chains of grocery stores as well, that brand may go out of business. Each person's decision to switch from that brand to another one made little difference, but not zero. And so all of the choices together made a big difference. That makes the market process impersonal to any one individual. Perhaps some of you listening are thinking of Adam Smith's invisible hand as we are discussing this. The invisible hand of many people's independent choices guiding the market to operate as efficiently as possible. Another way we can think of this impersonalism of the market process, one that will help us transition to how this relates to Genesis 1-1, is deism. Deism is the unchristian, unchristian, not Christian, the not Christian idea that God basically made the world and then walked away after that and let it go on its own merry way from there. They might embrace many Christian values and even believe the first two or three chapters of Genesis, but they do not believe God is personal with and involved in his creation past that point. And so I do not see how they could believe much of the Bible past the first few chapters. Deism is related because with deism, God is impersonal. He is not involved with his creation. He made it and just let it be. With deism, God is kind of like the parent who tells their kids they are on their own at 18 and practically have nothing to do with them again after that. But God is not distant. God is near to his creation. God does not need his creation. On the contrary, his creation needs him. Yet despite that, God does all of the things we read about in the Bible and all the things throughout the last 2,000 years we read about in church history and all the things we see and hear about today. God was personal and near to Noah, choosing to save Noah and his family instead of wiping out every last human being in judgment on our sin. And yes, I said, are there, not there. God communicated with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob slash Israel. A few centuries later, God communicated with Moses in a way that no human being this side of eternity had communicated with God since Adam and Eve were kicked out of the Garden of Eden. Throughout the rest of the Old Testament, we read about the prophets who came with the word of God in their mouths. They said, Thus saith the Lord, and were not lying. Then in the New Testament, we have the incarnation of Jesus, God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. 
When the apostles heard Jesus teaching, they heard God himself teaching. That is very near and personal. There is that sense in which God is personal with us. But God is also intricately involved in every detail of the world. God is completely sovereign, all-knowing, and all-powerful. Nothing happens that catches him off guard. Nothing takes him by surprise. God does not make the best of a bad situation because he sovereignly ordained how everything would come to pass before he even created the world. Just look at Genesis 50:20 and think about the background that led up to that verse with Joseph and what his brothers did to him. God did not just create all things and walk away like deism teaches, but he upholds and sustains his creation. We read this in what Paul teaches us about Jesus in Colossians 1, 16-17. For in him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him, and he is before all things, and Note here, in him all things hold together. If God is sovereign over all, and if Genesis 1-1 is true, then he is, amen? If God is sovereign over all, then that includes the economy. Your choice to buy one thing over something else, or to buy the same thing from one store instead of another store that sells it as well, That makes a little impact on the economy as a whole, virtually zero. Even if your income and expenditures both increased 100 times over next year, that would still not be a serious mark on the economy. In that sense, the market process is impersonal to humans, but it is not impersonal to God. God is sovereign over every aspect of the economy every last one. There's not a single atom in the universe that is not doing exactly what God ordained for it to do in eternity past. Let's look at what Gary North has to say about this in that book I mentioned a bit ago. Biblically speaking, this impersonal view of the market is incorrect. While the free market's processes may appear to be impersonal from the point of view of the individual observer, The market is not impersonal from the point of view of God, the omniscient observer. The Christian economist must assert from the beginning that this supposed impersonalism of the market process must never be understood to be a process autonomous from God. The operations of the market, like the operations of the atom, are ultimately guided by and upheld by God. God upholds all things every aspect of creation. It exists and continues to exist by his power and sovereign hand, just like we read from Colossians. North continues, God is absolutely sovereign over the creation. The creation is therefore personal. Any discussion of the market as an impersonal process or institution must always be qualified by the doctrine of cosmic personalism God, not man, is sovereign. Man is fully responsible to God. He also writes, What Hayek and other secular defenders of the free market have failed to understand is this. 
It is precisely because the market is not impersonal with respect to God and his law order that it can be said to be impersonal with respect to the plans and actions of any single participant. Because God is sovereign over all and is God alone, a healthy market must be impersonal with regard to humans. Otherwise, that human in the area of economics is aspiring to a godlike status for himself which is idolatry. As North writes, the free market decentralizes economic power, thereby limiting the quest for personal power. It has as one of its most important functions a definite religious purpose, to restrict men in their attempt to play God. God, as the sovereign ruler of every detail of the world, is involved with the market process in every aspect of the economy. The economy is not impersonal with regard to God like it is with regard to humans. Some despotic ruler of a socialistic or communistic nation, and fascistic nations as well, as Christianity is opposed to all of these leftist ideas, is trying to make himself like God by making the market process personal to himself as well as to God instead of personal to God and impersonal to all other entities. You could probably say that demons are doing the same thing when they try to convince a pagan nation to worship them, and the demon will bless the nation if it does so and make its economics great and all of that evil stuff. Not that economic progress is evil, but that if it comes at the cost of worshiping a demon, it is. As he continues writing in that chapter on Genesis 1-1, Gary North talks about how the free market is not some impersonal development that seemed to more or less randomly evolve, seemingly on its own, as people made economic choices that altogether developed into the market system we have today. It might seem that way, but that is only if we go into it with atheistic presuppositions about evolution and the like not if we go into it with presuppositions about a totally sovereign God. The market developed the way it did because that is how God ordained it would develop, of course. But also the market has developed the way it has, at least in part, because God has created and orchestrated it with certain inescapable truths that will make things better for you if you obey them. Even a non-Christian nation if it adopts the Protestant work ethic and a free market, will usually see economic success and progress. Japan is an example of this. So even if we do not realize it, market processes develop in ways that are in accord with how God made the world. Because whenever people try to go away from that, the attempts collapse sooner or later, and what stands are systems that reflect God's created order. On that idea, North writes, The market has a whole series of purposes for man because it is a direct outgrowth of the application of fundamental moral and economic principles that were established by God to meet the needs of a responsible human agent. It is a part of God's comprehensive social law order. So in summary, 
God is completely sovereign of every detail of world history and therefore is personal, not impersonal like the false God of the DS. That applies not just directly to human lives, but indirectly to every aspect of his creation, which includes economic systems and market processes. The market is personal with regard to God. He has control and authority over it, and therefore should be impersonal with regard to any individual human. No one person should have major influence over the economy, but the aggregate decisions of many people. All of this is possible because of the all-knowing, all-powerful Creator God, who opened up His revelation to us by saying, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. That was this week's episode of Theana Money. As we go, I want to remind everyone that the law of the Lord is perfect, sure, right, pure, clean, and true. So go apply that law in light of the gospel of Christ's atoning death and resurrection to every area of life. Grace and peace, friends. Satisfies me Your law is sweet Oh, you say